<laughs> Good morning, Cobblestone. Jeremiah here, in case you hadn't picked up on that. Um, sure wish you were here uh, live so I could yell at you all in person, but I'm sure I'll do some yelling through the camera. Um, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're hanging in there. I know for me and my family, it's been a big adjustment uh, going through this season of uncertainty, um, fear, difficult. We're, we're experiencing all sorts of stuff. Um, all in all, we're doing okay. Um, we're really seeing some neat things in our home um, as far as getting to hang out together. And, and that's going to start me off with my message today. Uh, as a household, I felt the Lord lead me to uh, take my family through First Peter. And so First Peter, if you've got a Bible, turn to First Peter 1, 6 and 7. 6 and 7. 6 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody felt grieved by various trials lately? So that the, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, we started reading this as a family, and so then I asked my kids, anybody going through trials and, and situations? Um, and, and that's kind of what I, I really want to kick off this message. This is going to be a bit of a, a redo from a couple weeks ago, but I've changed some of the content, and I've changed some of it, especially here at the beginning, because I want us to really grasp what Peter was saying here. Listen, trials show in our, if our faith is genuine. Trials put us into situations where we get to really see, really get to look at ourselves and see what, what's our faith founded in? What's our attitudes founded in? How is God showing up in our lives? Now, look at this, this, what he says here. Our faith is being tested as fire is tested and, and purified, I'm sorry, as fire tests and purifies gold. So as fire tests and purifies gold, right? So if a guy wants to purify gold, and we know this, we've heard this analogy, but it's such a beautiful one, and Peter is the guy that, that coined this. So if a guy wants to purify gold and make it more pure, he turns the heat up, and he lets that, and the impurities and the imperfections rise to the top. And then, and then the, the goldsmith, if you will, scrapes those off, and, and it's a pure process. It's a purifying process. And so that's kind of what these trials I'm feeling like are showing to us Christians in this day, in this situation. So, Cobblestone, I want to ask you in these uncertain times, I want to ask you a few questions just to kind of start opening your heart up for this morning that I can start to teach and preach on some different uh, subjects. Um, what's consuming your focus or thoughts right now? What are you having the toughest time trusting Jesus with? What or where are you having the most difficult time trusting Jesus with? What's being uncovered that you didn't see a month ago? What impurities are ri ri rising up that God is scraping off and out of your life? In this season, one of the interesting things is we're all in this together. Usually trials hit this group or that group. Or the, but it's like as a, as a people, as a Christian people, as a country, we're in this together, at least the, the, the pandemic side of this. So what's coming up out of you? What have you seen in your life in the last couple weeks? I believe our Lord is using this season to sanctify his bride, his church. He's exposing the true condition of our faith corporately and individually. 1 Peter 1, uh, 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. So I preached a good portion of this message a couple weeks ago, and sadly to say, the live cast didn't work so well, um, wasn't so good. So this is kind of a reboot. So a lot of that content I will be re-preaching in this message. So if you see me stop like this, don't panic. Live cast didn't, we're not, this is recorded. I'm actually preaching this on Friday morning to you for Sunday morning. Um, but if I freeze, making you nervous. So anyways, uh, let, me get a let me get a drink of my coffee. Ah, all right. So, listen, church, since I preached this, since I preached this two weeks ago, and through the uncertainty that's gone on in my life, here's some things that the Lord has actually put his finger on in my life. Potential idolatry areas, potential areas that I have idols, or I have future idols, or I have things that, that I'm trying, that, that, that are really, like, so important to me that my peace, um, my hope is attached to them. So, one is my well-being and health of my family. Big deal. My schedule. 
Now that my schedule's all messed up, I'm not going to lie to you, I feel a little messed up. Like, what do I do? My work schedule's different. My home life's different. I'm not going to sports, sporting events. I, I, I can't even go to the gym. Believe it or not, I'm, I've found that I've, I need a routine. And now that my routine's being discombobulated or messed up, now I'm like, what do I do? My comfort, right? My comfort. I'm not as comfortable. My money. I'm not making as much money as I, I once did a few weeks ago. And as a business owner, as a small business owner, that, that's concerning. I like making good money. Um, property values, investments, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that since I preached this two weeks ago about idols that I've seen in my own heart, in my own life, that the Lord's like, why are you uh, so miserable that your job is being messed up or your income's being messed up? Now listen, these things are not bad um, in, they're not bad to care about. They're not bad to have concern about. The, the point I'm really trying to make this, if your peace and your praise are attached to them, that's a problem. Listen, church, if your peace and your praise is attached to your schedule, your routine, your finances, your family's well-being and health, that's a problem. That, that's a red flag to you and I that we are headed into a, a, an idolatrous relationship with those things. My peace cannot be attached to my situation and circumstances. Not as a Christian. I'm his. And he's given me the peace that passes all understanding. Amen? So what's your peace attached to, church? What's your hope attached to? Have you felt hopeless? Have you felt down and out? As believers, we're the ones that have hope beyond hope because it's, it's out of this world. It's in Christ. It's in Jesus. What is your peace attached to? What's your hope attached to? And let's pray. Father, I ask that you would reveal to your church through this message things that, we are, uh, that you are dealing with. Areas that, Father, we might be headed towards idolatry in the situation that we're putting more emphasis and importance on them than you. Father, I thank you that in this season, season, these things are being revealed in me, in me, and in my friends at home, and my friends all over that watch this, the Christians all over the world, really. We're, we're, we're allowing, you're allowing these difficult times to go on so that we can see, Lord Jesus, the, the impurities in us, and you're turning that heat up. Cleanse us, sanctify us, heal us, and help us, Jesus, through this. I just pray, Lord, over the next... 35 minutes that you put your finger on idols in my brothers and sisters and in my own life, that you would put your mighty finger upon them and you would reveal to us areas that we need to repent of, that we need to keep a watch on, areas that we need to just, just surrender, surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if you have a Bible, pray you do. There's gonna be a lot of scripture pumped at you this morning. So don't, you don't even have to try to hang with me. It'll probably be on the screen somewhere down here, over there, whatever. But, but you can write them down. There's going to be some I'm just going to rifle through. I'm not going to spend too much time. But there's a lot of scripture in this message. But 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 14 is where I want to start. And this is going to be the main content because Paul addresses the Corinthians. So 1 through 14, let's read. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. On whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 
God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. The children of Israel were were on the earth roughly 1,500 years before Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. And here we are nearly 2,000 years later, and, and we're reading the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And what this tells me and you is that, that people, God's people, have the similar struggles with the similar temptations of idolatry. We're all, we're all as God's people, we see these things. And so it, it, we're going to go into four areas of prime real estate for idols or idolatry. Um, and, and before I do, John Calvin says this quote, and I'm not, I'm not a big John Calvin guy, but I love how simple it is. Not that I'm against John Calvin. I really don't know much about John other than Calvinist. Um, but it says, every one of us, even from his mother's womb, is a master craftsman of idols. I love that simplicity that John takes on that. Every one, every one of us, even from his mother's womb, is a master craftsman of idols. We're all, as God's children, forming our own idols, aren't we? So here's four areas. The first one is Corinthians. It's based off Corinthians 10.7. It says, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. This one, if you're writing down these notes, is idols from our past and self-made idols. Idols from our past and self-made idols. Exodus 32, 1 and 2 is where it's from. It says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! I love that. Up, Aaron, get up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off your rings of gold and all... that are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. In fact, there's a whole other teaching on that, but they got that jewelry by the grace and the favor of God from the Egyptians giving it to them as they left. So the thing they even got from slavery and took from slavery, now they're going to turn into an idol. Okay? So these are, these are some pitfalls in this thinking um, that, that, that the children of Israel did, that the Corinthians did, and I believe, uh, if we're honest, some of the cobblestonians have this battle as well. Idols from, sl- from our slavery or our past. Idols from, from when we serve Satan in the world. So one of them is simply eat, drink, and rose to play. An idol of fun. An idol of just, just having a good time. Partying, doing what I want to do when I want to do it. That's a, that's a problem. Next one is idols made from uncertainty and lack of faith. Look at this. Moses is not coming back, Aaron. He let us out here. He's bailing. He's not coming back. Moses is not coming back. And in in this thinking, you start to think like this. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. God's not going to help. He's not going to help me. These are areas that we start to lead to idolatry, where we start to think these things that God doesn't care. God's not going to help. Where's God? We'll just have to make it our own. Next one. I'll just have to make it on my own. That's what a lot of folks will do. When they find themselves struggling with this idolatry, I'm just going to have to make it on my own. I'm just going to have to do it myself, build my own security, answer my own prayers, build my own security. Right now, in this season, is a perfect opportunity if you feel like your peace because of your security in finances, if it's your security in your job, your security in life. Right now, this is, this is literally, I believe, the Lord putting me and you through these trials so we can see what is my security in? What is my hope in? And Lord is revealing that if we've built our own security, the ground is getting shaky. If we're trying to answer our own prayers, God won't provide, I'll have to provide. God won't take care of me, I gotta take care of me. I need to see my God, I want control. It's another one under this idols from, from, from the past and self-made idols. I need to see my God. I need to see him in front of me. I want my God to be controllable. I want my God to be explainable. Listen, friends, Jesus Christ is not controllable or explainable. 
The Trinity, try to explain the Trinity. It's, it's very difficult. But our God doesn't need to be explained. Our God needs to be trusted and surrendered to. You see what I'm saying? We, I see people all the time, I want to be able to explain my God. I want, I want my God to be, you know, controlled so I can basically control the narrative of my life. I tell him what I think is right and wrong rather than he tells me what he thinks and where he wants me to go, what he wants me to do, and how he wants me to live. Amen? So look at, let's look at Exodus 13, 17 through 18. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land, the Philistines, although that was near. That was the closer route. For God said, least the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God knows what he's doing. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. You see what God did there? There was a shorter route, but God took them the long route. Least they could easily go back. And so there's a lot to be said on this, but being led by the Spirit and taught by the Word can get scary and look like war. It can be scary how God leads us at times. We want the safe path, God will take us the long path. Why? Because he's God and doesn't want us to go back to our slavery. He doesn't want us to go back to comfortable. He doesn't want, to go, want us to go back to explainable. He wants to lead us to something new. He wants to take us to the promised land ultimately. And as Christians, he wants to take us into a deeper, more, more understanding and love of him, Jesus Christ. So, Fear and doubt in the Lord Jesus fuel idolatry. Fear and doubt in the Lord Jesus fuel idolatry. Heather and I, I, it's kind of a similar path for us as the Exodus there. 15 years ago, and some of you know the story. Bear with me. 15 years ago, Heather and I felt the Lord leading us to come to Brookville, Indiana. And so we left and we came and I started my business pretty much from scratch. Difficult. I left, left a, a nice business, a nice paycheck. We left our church family. We left our home. We didn't even sell our home. We left it in the hands of people that were like kind of, we didn't want to leave it in, if I'm honest. And we left all of that. And my wife, I kid you not, she cried pretty much every day for that first year because she missed her family because they live over co close to Columbus. She missed her family. We missed our friends. It, it, walking in the Lord's leading at times, just like the children of Israel, can look so scary. And it's not an easy path. And sometimes it, 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 it's many tears, many prayers, and some sorrow. But let me tell you, friends, Heather and I would do it again because what we saw, and this is what I want you as a church to get. If you go back, if you raise the white flag and say it's too scary, I don't want to move forward, you miss opportunities to see God in his grace. You miss opportunities to see miracles. You miss opportunities to hear his voice so wonderfully. You miss it. Don't miss it. Walk in faith. Trust your Lord. Hear his voice and walk with him. Don't go back. Don't make an idol. Don't cling to things that can't hear and can't see and can't, can't talk. Stick with God. Because I'm telling you, it was hard and it's been difficult, but I have story upon story of his faithfulness, of his provision, of his blessing. And I thank you, Jesus, that he gave us the grace and the strength to stay the course. Don't go back. Don't, don't cling to these idols. The next one is Corinthians 10.8. Corinthians 10.8. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Idols from indulging in sexual immorality. Indulge, the actual word says wallow in, give oneself up to, give way to, yield to, abandon oneself to, give rein to, give free rein to, revel in, and lose oneself in. Not fight sexual immorality. Not resist or stumble with sexual immorality. Indulge all that definition. So look at Numbers 25, 1 through 3. Numbers 25, 1 through 3. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel, was yoked, Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, 
and the angel of the Lord was kindled. And the anger, I'm sorry, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Sexual immorality ticked God off. Guys, in the New Testament, a quick survey is this. These books warn, just the New Testament, warn about sexual immorality. Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, Revelations, Colossians, the Gospels, Ephesians, Acts, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Jude, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 Peter, Hebrews, and Jesus himself teaches about sexual immorality and warns about it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal, and, and, and I've been in ministry for 20-some years. Yeah, right around 20 years, youth and young adult, and now here even as an elder at Cobblestone. Sexual immorality is a big problem. It's, it's everywhere, in the body of Christ, in Christians. Because it, it, here's the truth, and, this, and, and I'm going to say this stuff as kind and as gentle as I can. Please listen to me on this. It's easier to say what the Bible's okay with when it comes to sex rather than go down the list of all the wrongs, don't do's. Sex between a husband, a man, and wife, a woman, within marriage. Blessed. Blessed. Amen? Listen, church, I love you, so I say this. And I love Jesus more, so I say this. I love you, church. But if you feel like that statement is wrong or outdated or full of hate, I'm humbly saying to you, you have created an idol within sexual immorality. We must be led by the Spirit and taught by the Word. We must, if we're His. The idol is this. I want to define my sexuality and my sexual practices and not allow God and His Word to. I want to define my sexuality and sexual practices and not allow His Word to. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Sexual immorality is a big deal. I had a young man one time in, in, when I was pastor, and this kind of gives the idea of why we need the Word of God, and, and this idea of being led by the Spirit. So he came to me and said, Hey, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, and I'm like, like any pastor worth his salt, I'm like, well, the Bible's very clear on that brother, that that is sin and wrong, and you shouldn't do that. Um, and he said, no, we're okay, because we prayed about it. Oh, okay, okay, now that you prayed about it, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear that page out of the Bible. That, now that you've prayed about it, and, and, and it's like, no, brother, that's sin. And, and you have an idol, and you are, are, are positioned that idol as your worship, and the sexual immorality was his idol. And, and it's sad, it was sad to see, and I've seen that, you know, pastored a lot of single young people, uh, and sexual immorality is, is a difficult thing. Married couples, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I had another one, and this is, this, is, this is a tad bit taboo to talk about within churches. Um, we're growing in this as far as helping. Um, but I had another young man in a Bible study catch me at the end. He said, Jeremiah, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he said, um, if I was to identify myself right here, right now, I would say um, I'm a homosexual. I, I am attracted to the same sex. And I said, well, you know, not, of course, I, this is not, he's not the first guy I talked to. I actually am pretty blunt, pretty bold, pretty honest with people about my own struggles. So a lot of people get pretty honest and bold about their struggles with me. And so in the years of doing ministry, I've, I've, this is not isolated. This is, this is more common than I think we would like to think. Anyways, he comes to me, he talks and to me. And I said, well, look, um, I can't, he said, will this ever go away? I know as a Christian, that's what he said, I know as a Christian it's sin and wrong. And I do not want to indulge or live in that lifestyle. I, w I want to repent. I want to pick up my cross and not follow that lifestyle. Is there any hope for me? And I said, brother, here's the truth, and this is real talk. I said, I've been married at the time, who knows how long, 15 years to Heather, but now but 20 years. And I love my wife. But I would be a liar to say that I haven't had attraction towards other women. And so I told him, I said, what I'm trying to say to you is this. I have to die daily. I have to pick up my cross. I have to crucify my flesh and follow my Lord Jesus. It, 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 I have to crucify the sexual appetite of, of, of pornography or the sexual appetite of other women. Lust, right? So I said, all I can offer you, brother, is that, that, that grace is sufficient. So as you pick up your cross and you follow Jesus and you crucify those desires and you say, I'm gonna keep trusting the Lord, somewhere along the line, it gets easier. Does it go away? It hadn't gone away for me, but I keep picking up my cross. And he looked at me, and it was cool because he said, 
that's good to know. He didn't feel like a freak. He didn't feel like an outcast. He didn't feel like a broken man. He felt like a Christian that needs to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. And we all need to in whatever area that we struggle. Amen? Nothing's too big. Nothing's too dark. Nothing's too scary for our Lord. Nothing. Jesus is big. Jesus can handle your problem. Jesus can handle your temptation. Jesus can handle your struggle. So the next one is Corinthians 10.9. Corinthians 10.9 says, We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. Corinthians 10.9. Idols of discontentment put Christ to the test. Look at Numbers 21, 4 through 5. Numbers 21, 4 through 5. From Mount Or, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people be became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, Moses? For there's no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. They loathe, that word loathe, they felt intense dislike or disgust for. They didn't like, they didn't want what God provided. There was enough. We hate it, God. It's discontent with what God has provided. I want, I want, I'm unhappy with what he's given me. I want a better job, more money, more power. I want a spouse. I can't be single anymore, got to. I want better looks. I want a bigger house. And I think every single one of us, if we're honest, have had to deal with discontentment in some way, shape, or form when it comes to serving our Lord. Like, I'm not happy with fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. I'm unhappy with God's provisions. Let me ask you, are you? Are you discontent? Are you discontent? Not, this isn't a crack on wanting more, working harder moving up the, the ladder at work and, and obtaining more. No, no, I like that. I'm all for that. Go get, go get work hard. Build, build your business. You know, go after a bigger house. Go after this. And work hard. That's fine. But as long as those aren't the idols, right? As long as those aren't the, the, the what you're sold out for. And the one way you know is when you, when you loathe what God has given you without a thankful heart. You don't have a thankful heart. You have an angry, brash spirit that says, I'm unhappy with what he's given. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 says it this way. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take, cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Listen, this gets misquoted all the time. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. If it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Through this craving. I'm unhappy. I got to get more money. That's my sole goal in life. And as a businessman, I've seen this. I've seen many people that are serving that idol. Unfortunately, and I've wrestled with that in my own life. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says this. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. He basically says, I know how to live on little, and I know how to live on a lot. This is, this is Apostle Paul talking. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How do, you, how do you get content? Jesus. Hang out with him. Talk to him. Tell him. I'm struggling being content, Jesus. Will you help me? I don't want to build an idol here. I don't want to love money. Will you help me? He'll show you. Giving, honestly, giving. I've, I've felt that in my life. It's been one of those things that the Lord has really challenged me um, in giving, giving to poor people, right? It says when you give to the poor, you actually lend to God. Um, and giving and, and, and understanding, allowing the Spirit of the Lord to, to, to operate your checkbook. Can you do that? Here's a quick story, and I'm not trying to make myself look awesome because for every one of these stories where I'm like, I obey, there's, there's probably five that I've like dropped the ball. But years ago, back in Cobblestone when we were at Talawanda, um, and, and 
we, they were raising money for uh, a country that didn't have wells. I don't want to say Africa. It might have been. But either way, they were raising money for wells to be drilled and, and to water people over there. And I remember, and I was young, right? And, and, and I sat in this service, and I had so much money saved up. And I was about to, I mean, Heather, I had Heather's approval on it, right? Got the, hey, babe, this, look at this truck. And I'm a car guy. People know this about me, don't know this. I really like cars. I like cool cars, cool trucks, jacked up stuff, toys, wheels, all that, right? I enjoy the glitters of life. Anyways, uh, I had this, this 03 supercharged Harley truck picked out. And it was in Chicago or whatever, and I had the price, and I, I really was right there on the, having the money. And I sat in this service, uh, and I, I, the, the, the pastor at the time was, was talking about raising money, and I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit just, just press on me, push on me, and he says, he says, buy a well. And I was like, get behind me, Satan. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was like, I could feel it. I knew it was God. And I'll be honest with you, that, that was very hard to do because I wanted that truck. Oh, it was sweet, wonderful, cool truck. I wanted that truck. And so the Lord was leading me to give. The Lord was leading me away from the love of money. The Lord was helping me pull up an idol and, and, and scrape it off. And so I obeyed and, and didn't get the Harley truck, but ended up helping some folks with a well. And I felt so encouraged by Jesus that he helped me not to fall into the love of money. Um, cool fact, our God is faithful, he's gracious. I've owned two, two supercharged Harley trucks uh, since, and, and the Lord's gracious. He, he, he provided at different times, but it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. So let me ask you that, friend. Will you let God, will you let God run your finances? Will you let God run your finances? Even now, this is, this is something I felt, even now, and I'm not trying to take an offering for the church. Don't hear that. But even now, things are getting tighter. And I felt led by the Lord that I will not slow down in giving. Where is my hope? Where is my trust? Where is my hope? And where is my trust? I've committed to some missionaries. I've committed to some different people. And I'm, I'm telling you, I want to be found faithful. But the economy, I'm not making as much as I used to. But Jeremiah, we need to be wise. Yes, yes, yes. But listen, we need to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our bank accounts and our finances and everything we make and everything we spend. We have to submit it to God. What good does it do you if you have a bunch of money and you go and, and, and you die? You didn't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And in this season right now, some of us have more and some of us have less. But those of you that have more, I'm asking you, and those of you even have less, I'm asking you, ask Jesus to lead your giving. Ask him to show you who. Ask the Holy Spirit. Spend some real time. Say, Lord, should I cut a check to a friend, a brother, a neighbor? Be obedient. Allow the Lord to show up radically in your life and even crush that idol of wealth, that idol of I got to take care of myself. And let's look at now the uh, next one, Corinthians 10.10. Corinthians 10.10 says this, Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. This one, guys, is, is idols from rejecting the Lord's leadership. This is idols that rise up of, of saying, I don't want the leaders God has put in my life. Numbers 14 one through four says this. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. They wished they died in the land of Egypt. Then they'd rather have these guys as their leaders. Or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. I like that. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. We use the excuses sometimes. What's best for my wives? What's best for my wives? What's best for my wife? What's best for my children? To judge churches and judge God's leadership. I, I, I wasn't gonna go here, but I'm going here. I have had friends in past churches Say, I don't like really or agree with everything that's being preached up here, but because they have a good uh, children's ministry or they got a good youth ministry, I'm going to go there. And 
it, it's very similar because that's what they were trying to say. We're going we're gonna, to, and, and listen, listen, I'm going to talk on this for a minute, so don't, don't just be like, this guy's, you know, a jerk. Um, you need to really be careful on how you go about and who you go about surrendering or submitting or who you allow to lead you. God should lead you. God, listen, friend, God should lead you to the church you go to, the Christian leadership that you're under. God should have led you there, led you here, or led you wherever, if we ever get back to gathering together. Um, we would. Um, so I'm not saying follow blindly. I'm not saying follow, you know, like buy into everything. I've gone to a lot of churches. I've had to leave churches because of, of different things. That's a bad idea, and that wouldn't be biblical. Remember, you've got to know your Bible. And the Bible talks about testing, right? Test. The Bible talks about leaders. Know their fruit. Jesus, know their fruit. What are they producing? Okay? And then it talks about elders, qualified elders. Who do you submit to? Who do you allow to speak into your life? Who do you, where do you give your, your money? Where do you, who do you, who do you allow to, to tell you no and stop it? And, and, and if I'm honest, I haven't always done a great job of this, you know. I'm not sometimes the easiest guy to shepherd. But God has always led me to people that I can submit to, people that I should submit to, and they're not always the ones that I think, right? That's, the, that's something that's interesting. You, you, you and I can't pick our own, our own church. We pick churches like gyms, don't we? We pick them like, like, does it have what I want, what I need, when I want it? What about what God wants for you? What about what God wants for you? Look, we have an amazing kids ministry here, and thank God, thank you, we, we got Christian, we has done a ma- fabulous job. But don't go to Cobblestone just because our kids ministry is awesome, okay? Go to Cobblestone because Jesus Christ has called you to come and be a part of what we're doing. Let the Spirit of the Lord lead you. Many Christians operate in adultery when it comes to leadership. Many Christians do. And I've watched this. I will follow them because of me, not because of him, not because of what God said. I had this guy in my life, um, the first guy that, that the Lord really called me to surrender to, submit to, and do ministry under. Uh, his name is, is Steve, but uh, his, we called him Pastor Steve. And so it was, I was probably 20, right around 20, and I played basketball, and I remember playing basketball with Pastor Steve, and, and, and Pastor Steve was a good guy, nice guy, but he had like at the time, it's late 90s, early 2000s, he had like highlights in his hair, and he had like a gold bracelet, and he drove a Mercedes, and at the time, I just came out of a uh, mega church Bible college that was all about prosperity, so I had some real bitterness and some hurt in some areas about the, 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 the bad teaching of the prosperity message. And so, anyway, so I was a little jaded in those areas. So it's kind of interesting. So here I am, being around Steve in a different church, married to Heather, and, uh, and I remember feeling like, like, I like Steve, but Heather's like, should we help out with the youth? He was the youth pastor. I'm like, no, I'm good. Sure as the world, about a few weeks after that, I had this dream, and it was simple, just this dream of follow Pastor Steve. So I woke up, I knew, whoa, the Lord's leading me. But what about, God didn't say, he, 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 he didn't say, I didn't ask him about, what about these things that I didn't like? He said, follow Pastor Steve. Then a couple weeks of that dream, Pastor Steve calls us, asks Heather and I to help out with uh, junior high ministry. And that's when we first started doing ministry under Pastor Steve and then helped him with high school and actually helped him do a church plant and before we left to come to Columbus 15 years ago. And to be honest with you, what I learned from Pastor Steve is, is more valuable than I learned from my Bible college, more valuable, it was relational ministry. He taught us relational ministry. And a wonderful man, wonderful, um, his wife, Tracy, wonderful people, taught me a lot, and uh, taught Heather a lot. And, and so, trust God to lead you to those that you need to submit to. Don't trust your own knowledge, your own thinking, or your own, your own criteria. I mean, on some level, know your Bible, sure. But outside of that, trust the Lord. Where does he want you? So idols are found when, under the, the, the rejecting of God's leadership in attitudes like this. I could do better. I know more and have a deeper relationship, and I have a deeper understanding. That one's so dangerous because there's a lot of people that know so much more than, than the people that are called the shepherd. 
But God's not putting them in front of people. Why is that? They're not shepherds. They're not called. There's a, maybe they're not humble. There's a lot of reasons. Knowledge is not the criteria, basically, uh, the simple criteria of being in leadership. It's good. We need it. Anyways. Um, oh, how about this one? Our, attitude, our old church would. Our old church used to. You guys need, right? And, and really, at the, at the nuts and bolts of this thing, and it needs to be said, it, and I've seen it often, is it's the critical spirit. We see the critical spirit, critical, right? Not, not, want, not, not wanting to help change, not wanting to go down the right avenues and encourage, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? The Bible says this. Those are all right. We need, we need people to lean into us and show us and help us and serve. But, but what we don't need, what no pastor needs, no, what no church needs is a critical spirit. Critical spirits are running rapid across. I, I'll say it this way. Not a fruit, critical spirit is not a fruit of the spirit. It is not. It is not a gift of the spirit. Yet often, I see it manifest more in churches um, and in Christians than the fruits and the gifts together. Hear me on that. I've been in and around churches my whole life, and I have seen the critical spirit manifest more than I've seen gifts and more than I've seen the fruits of the spirit. And that's not an understatement. And I bet many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen, 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 right? We need to get rid of the critical spirit. The critical spirit, it does what this. It tears down. It beats up. It makes God's servants nervous. It makes them exhausted and frustrated. Some of you just got to sit right there and, and hear me say, maybe that's you. Maybe you're the one that's operated in the critical spirit. And allow the Lord Jesus to work on you. Don't stub up. You'll be, well, that's critical that he's being critical of me, right? Friend, listen, allow God to speak. Get rid of the critical spirit. Stop it and get some help. Most of the people that I know that have operated in the critical spirit get sidelined. They get, God can't, they still love God, they're still Christians, I'm not saying any of that, but they get sidelined because God can't use them because they become critical instead of encouraging and challenging and loving. They, they get they cripple the body. Hebrews 13, 7 through 9 says it this way. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Look at that. There's, there's, there's how, who, who, who do you serve? Who, or who do you serve under? Let me say it that way. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Test their fruit. See how they live. And then imitate their faith. Who are you imitating? Whose faith are you imitating? Whose faith are you imitating? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. This, he was referencing here, they, for, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. He was, there was people thinking that there were some crazy teachings saying what you eat makes you a better Christian or not. And it, this is where leaders step in and say that's crazy teaching. And, and, and let, make no mistake about it, there's crazy teaching all over the internet, all over TV, all over Oxford and Brookville, there's crazy teaching. The Lord Jesus wants you to be submitted to teaching that is founded in the word and, and, and sound doctrine and submitted to God. Hebrews, um, well, look at, look, at, look, look at verse 17. I love this one. Obey your leaders. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give, have to give an account. Yeah, leadership will have to give an account and the Bible says those that teach the Bible will be judged more harshly or more sternly. Yeah, it's real. There's weight on being in leadership. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And I have been friends to a lot of pastors, been in a lot of inner circles and leadership circles, and I have watched many, 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 many Christians um, be led by people that are groaning. They have no joy. They're, they're beat up by critical Christians. Are you a critical Christian? Survey your heart. Survey your past. I have been a critical Christian. I've, been, I've dealt with it. Hear me. And one of the things, I used to be so nitpicky and picky on pastors until I actually pastored. I used to be so nitpicky and nasty towards preachers until I started preaching. Um, and it's funny how that works. And then once I started doing it, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to shut up. I owe everybody an apology. Be humble, guys. Be humble. Be teachable. Don't be nasty. For the, and in 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We see that all the time, don't we? Itching ears, tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me I'm okay in my sin. Tell me I can live how I want to live. Tell me I can do what I want to do. Be in a church. Be submitted to leadership that will tell you what the Word of God says and what He's doing. And Corinthians 12 through 14, it's the, the end of, um, let me grab it here. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 14, it's the end of that for, for Paul. It says, therefore let anyone who thinks he, that he stands take heed lest he falls. As I went through these idols, be humble. Don't think that I got this all together. I need to work on me, right? Allow, allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. Don't it says, who thinks that he stands, take heed. Listen, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We're in this together. Just like the children of Israel, just like the Corinthians, just like the Cobblestonians, we are all in this together. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You're not, you're not a freak. <laughs> we all have battles. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Look at that. God, our God, coming through for us all the time. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee. Get rid of it. Get away from it. Don't operate in it. Flee from idolatry. And in closing, I felt the Lord, I, I closed a little differently a couple weeks ago, but today I wanted to, to, to put some scripture on you and literally the word encourage. And, and I, I know in my life I, I, I'm kind of an encourager. It's the way the Lord's made me. You're like, yeah, right, I don't feel very encouraged, right? Um, well, be encouraged. Encourage means to, to, to pour courage in. So before I, I, I check out today and, and, and move on, I wanted to take a few moments and I wanted to speak to you guys and what you're going through, right to the situation that we're all in, or maybe whatever else you're in, and I want to speak some encouragement to you. And I want to speak how these things have encouraged me, and I hope you read these um, verses more and more and more and more this week. Um, but it's Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 through 20. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for the words. What you need to hear is the great Holy Spirit. He's working on your behalf. He's interceding for you. He sees your troubles. He sees your fears and your worries, and he's working. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Look at that. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We, as we love God, all things, all things are working together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God's working this out. God's producing good in you and through you and around you with the situations you're in. Romans 8, 34 says this, who is condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? There it is again. Jesus Christ, my, my, my King, my Lord, he's at the right hand of the Father and he's thinking of me. He's interceding for me and he's interceding for you. He sees you right there. He sees your situation. He sees your problems. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. He sees you. Okay? Now listen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be the slaughter. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you, Christian, from Jesus' love. Understand that. Dwell on that. Receive that. Let that love cast out the fear. Know who you are in him. Draw close to him. Spend time with him. 
He's the answer in this season. He, Jesus Christ, is the answer in your season. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, got me crying. Since then, we have a great high priest who has pressed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast our confession. I'm Jesus's, and he is mine. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where this life goes. I don't know even when I'm going to die, but I'm his, and he is mine. Hold fast, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Go near, get familiar with the throne of grace and you will receive mercy and you will find grace in the, to help you in this time of need. Pray this, read this, memorize this. I, I, I kid you not. Oh, it's scary, we're worried about our lives. I got friends that are battling cancer. I got friends that are sick, even maybe with coronavirus. But I'm telling you guys, don't let this stuff rattle you. Know who you are in Christ. Trust him. He's got you. Let us know as a church how we can pray for you. Send us your prayers. Connect with what we're doing. We're in this together. It's like this. I feel like the church has like gotten squished in like a rubber ball. I wish I would have brought it. And when you squeeze down a rubber ball, it doesn't disappear. It just squeezes out differently. And that's what I see the body of Christ doing right now. The, the main church, the big services, they're getting squeezed down, but it's not going anywhere. It's just squeezing out in different areas. Allow the Lord to speak to you and lead you in this time. And I'm going to pray and I'll be out. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for every believer that this is going to hit their ears and that they're going to feel challenged, that there's going to be some repentance and there's going to be some encouragement, Lord, that you will meet your people, that you will touch your people, that you will strengthen your people, that we come out of this thing, Lord Jesus, sanctified, more, more holy, more driven, more determined than ever to do the will of, of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Bless us, Lord, as we go, as we stay home, as we do whatever we got to do in this season. Bless and protect in Jesus' name. Amen.